Jason said, I'm, my name is Josh Glazer. I'm the executive director of an organization uh, called Regeneration. Anybody know Regeneration? Okay, so here, here's what I'd say. Uh, <laughs> people are like, I'm not going to raise my hand. What people might think. <laughs> I got you. Okay, I see how it is. Um, if you don't know Regeneration, I'm, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about it, uh, but you can find us online, regenerationministries.org. God's doing some neat things there in the lives of men and women who are dealing with sexual brokenness. And the 21st century... All of us are dealing with sexual brokenness in one form or another. So um, come visit us. We'd love to love to have you visit us online. All right. So now I've, now I'm leaning forward. I can't see my notes. Brilliant. So hey, and it's cold in here, which means this: uh, something happens to me when it gets cold. My nose starts to run. So all the sermon and those who are listening online are going to hear me going the whole time, which is you know going to be great. Uh, just I want to I want to talk to you. I want to hear from you because I don't know who you are. Uh, Jason's going on a cruise today. Anybody know that? He's leaving for the Bahamas, <clears throat> which I just found out today, and I'm jealous. If you if you could be in one place where you'd get to look and see something that just reminds you of God's beauty, His grandeur, where would that be? If you could be in one place that would remind you, you get to look and see something that reminds you of God's beauty and grandeur, where would you be? Hawaii. Hawaii. Mountains. Alaska. Heaven. Heaven. New Hope. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> awesome. Grand Canyon. Wow. 60 feet under on the Belize Reef. I never, never even know that. Yes, one more. France. Great. So, thank you. Thank you. That gives me a little bit of clue. And I, and I set you up, and I'm going to come back to that, why it was a setup later. Um, we're in Romans 1 and 2. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to read the whole passage. I'll, I'll refer to it. If you've got your Bibles, uh, keep a thumb there because I'm going to just go back and forth with some verses. I listened to Jason's sermon last week, and he covered the whole thing. So I'm, I'm happy to, to kind of just skip around, and he gave me license to, uh, to go forward and backward a little bit. Um, the key, key points from last week that I'll just touch on again. One, Romans 1 is a setup for Romans 2, and it's also true. It's not something that's uh, just a setup. Uh, that's going to be knocked down. It's a setup to kind of draw us all into the reality that we all need what Paul's writing about in Romans. And so it's actually an exciting news. And here, here's how far I would take it. Um, Jesus Christ came for the sinners, not righteous. He came for the sick, not those who are healthy. He came for those who are broken, not those who are whole, right? And so why, why do we fight this? Why, why are we so determined to not be like them, like those who need some kind of grand salvation, grand rescue. We want to be ones who have it all together. We want to look together. We want to seem together. We want to sound like we're together. Am I the only one like this? I know that this is, this is true for me. I got dressed this morning, and, and part of what I wanted to convey was, I have it together. I'm preparing this message, and part of me is thinking, well, they think I have it together. We have such investment in looking like we have it together, which is so counter to what we need if we need Jesus. Well, I, I want Jesus, and so I'm going to embrace the reality that when Paul does this pivot between Romans 1 and 2, so in Romans 1, notice the pronoun, they, them, they, 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 they exchanged, they did this, they did that. In Romans 2, he pivots and he turns at his audience and he says, and now you, you. And it's not bad news that he does that, it's great news. Oh, good, Jesus came for me too. It wasn't just them, it's me too. Get that? Okay. 
I work in a ministry that, that walks, in, among other things, we walk alongside people who are dealing with sexual brokenness like homosexuality. And I can't tell you the number of people who come to my office and, and convey to me <clears throat> when I ask them, who else knows about this struggle in your life, whether it's homosexuality, past sexual abuse, struggles with pornography, sexual addiction, prostitution, adultery. Who else knows about this? And they say, no one else. This is the first time I've talked about it. Why would that be for people who spent their entire life in church? That's a sad state. I heard recently of a study, and I'm, I'm, I'm terrible with numbers, so I don't remember the numbers, but um, a study that was done not too long ago asking non-believers, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you when you think of Christians? What's your first impression of Christians? And it was something like 80 or 90% of them said, my first impression is they hate gay people. Oh, oh. If Jesus were walking the earth today, would that be people's first impression of him? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. What are we doing? What are we conveying? How together do we look? What are the ways that we, that we lift up our noses at them? And, and, and lest we, we point the finger and say, well, that's not us. That's other Christians. It's Christians who hold signs out like this. God hates you. God hates fags, things like that. Um, we, we hold up our noses to those people. Fred Phelps needs Jesus Christ as much as we do. We need Jesus Christ as much as Fred Phelps does. Make sense? Okay. I'm not here to be doom and gloom. Actually, here's, here's the other thing. I love Romans 1 and 2 because, because of this. As, as, um, as much as there is in Scripture about how sex and sexuality can go awry and be broken and cause damage, there's so much more that sex is meant to convey about God's goodness and his beauty and his love. And so we get hung up as, as Christians sometimes on we, sex and sexuality are all about what we shouldn't do, what we shouldn't be, what we shouldn't think, what we shouldn't feel. Um, not in the beginning. That's not the way God designed it. That's not the way God designed it. So I'm, I'll talk about some of those things um, in hopes that it'll draw us more towards where he is. So in Romans 1, we read about these people who exchange the truth of God for a lie. They exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man. I'm going to come back to that. Um, they, women exchange the natural function for that which is unnatural. Men abandon the natural function for the, of the woman and burn the desire toward each other. And then in verse 28, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. And if you can read verses 29 through 32 without finding yourself somewhere in there, um, you need to do a real life and heart check because we're all in there. Again, and that's good news. And then Paul turns to this and he says, but you, you're without excuse. So let's talk about that. How, how does this downward spiral begin? How does, how does this happen for us where we end up dehumanizing ourselves? Where we as a people begin becoming something that we, that we were never intended to be? And I, I'm, I'm sure there are... are better theologians than me to come up with an answer to that. But I want to offer you, offer you one significant way. We were never intended to see other people or to see ourselves apart from the love of God. God meant for his love to inform all that we see when we look at other people. And I've, I've often thought to myself, if I, if I could go somewhere, like I asked you, and just be, be awed by the glory and beauty of God, where would I go? Um, one, one uh, I don't know if he was a, a godly person or a, a kiss-up, said New Hope. No offense. Um, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Amen. Um, 
But what is it? What is it about our hearts that we immediately go, I want to, I want to see and look at something other than people. What, what is it about our, our view of people and what our hearts do as we see that we don't think what reminds me of the glory and beauty of God is you and you. It's men. It's women. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not pointing the finger at you. I'm, I'm talking about me. And that's good news. So we need Jesus. We need Jesus to take us deeper. We need Jesus to transform our hearts more. And this is great news because this is what he came to do. This is what he came to do. I, I love this defini- definition of sin. Um, and again, I, I work for a ministry that a lot of people come because they want to get rid of sin. And we have a, a, a subtle secret mission. Our mission is really not so much to help them get rid of sin. It's to help them walk intimately with Jesus, to walk in union with him. Um, here's the definition of sin. Sin is trying to get life apart from God. It's trying to get life apart from him. That's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. And isn't it interesting that, that out of all the creatures, God said of Adam and Eve, he said, I'm going I'm to create people, man and woman, in my image, in my likeness, he didn't say that of any other creature. Now, we can look at the Grand Canyon. We can look at coral reefs. and We can look at the mountains and see something of God's grandeur. But God didn't say of them, I'm going to make them in my likeness. He said, I'm going to make man and woman in my likeness. And what does what the serpent say to them in, in, in uh, Genesis 3? In essence, one of the things he says to them is, you're not like God. In order to be like God, you have to do dot, dot, dot. When we look at other people, part of what God has designed for us is to perceive in them, from them, something of who he is, what he's like. When we look at men, we're meant to see something of what God is like. When we see women, we're meant to see something about what God is like. And that's good. Now, stop and think about that for yourself for a minute. When God looks at you as a man or a woman, your manhood, your womanhood, he sees something of himself in your manhood, in your womanhood, in your body as a man or a woman. You feel the dignity in that? When we really begin to grasp that, take that in, those of us who have struggled with, with sins against our body, sexual sins, we, we lose our interest in, in sinning sexually. Our bodies are worth more than that. Now, it's a process, it's a struggle. But we're more than that. And when we look at other people, and we're tempted to objectify them, to see them as something. And that's what, that's what happens to us when we, when we try to see others apart from God's love, uninformed by God's love, without his love infusing our sight. We, we, we see objects instead. We see objects. Now, maybe sexual in nature, where we see objects, so we're, we're tempted to lust after somebody. Or we're tempted to try to, to, to uh, seduce them so that they will desire us physically. And if they do, then we feel better about ourselves. If they come to us, we, see be- they, we feel better about ourselves. But there are all sorts of other ways that we do this too. I'm in the grocery store line. None of you will re- relate with this. I'm in the grocery store line and I'm late. And there are two people ahead of me. And the woman who's in the front of the line starts to chat with the teller, the checker. Just chat. So how late are you working today? Oh, yeah? Oh, my son, he works at a store down the street, and he has to work all through Christmas. What happens in me? Who, who do they become to me? 
Are they people or are they objects? They're objects. They're obstacles. That's right. Exactly. They're obstacles. They're in the way of my happiness. They're in the way of my, of my life. They're in the way of, of, of what's going to bring me real life and joy and pleasure. Jesus wants to inform the way that we see other people. Um, and then certainly this is true for us uh, sexually. I, I came to regeneration because of my own struggles with, with lust and pornography, masturbation, phone sex. Um, I, I viewed people as objects. And I thought, I'm gonna, I want to I get this, rid of this one area of my life and I'll, I'll be better. And I, I want to serve Jesus, so I'm going to get rid of this one area of my life. Well, what I didn't know was that uh, this was just a, 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 an element, a, a symptom of a much deeper problem, all sorts of other issues that I was dealing with. Um, one of them being this, 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 this perpetuous problem of seeing others as objects. Objects, obstacles, idols. They weren't people to me. Um, and also of seeing myself that way. And I, I didn't even ask you, you, as you, as you, in your prayer time with the Lord, Lord, do I see myself as a, as a person or an obstacle? Do I see myself as a person or an object? Are there ways that I idolize myself? Are there, are there ways that I want others to idolize me? You know, one of the things that I'm struck as I get opportunities to teach a lot. And uh, I, was, I was teaching on, on overcoming pornography to a group of people, and then we did a Q&A, and it went really, really well, and um, great questions, and I felt like there's lots of good communication, and uh, I felt like I was able to just convey a lot of truth. And I was walking away, and I was just thanking God. God, thank you so much for giving me this job. I, I love this. I love just being able to offer truth and help people. And you know what he said to me? He whispered, there's no condemnation and no shame. He just said, you didn't really love people in there very much, did you? In all your answers, all the things you said, there was really not much love for them, was there? And I, I saw it in a moment. I saw it, no, I, I really wanted them to be impressed with me. They were objects to make me feel better. So my, my prayer this morning as I'm coming to teach here is, God, help me, please, inform my eyes to see people and to love instead of to seek to be loved. People become objects to be used for our physical pleasure, to make us feel good about ourselves. Um, think about pornography. I know that that's not an issue for all of you. It's an issue for many, many, many people in our culture. Pornography, it doesn't, it doesn't see people. It sees body parts, objects. Um, and it's, it's a sad, sad thing. And what happens is we have millions and millions of people who are meditating for hours at a time on images of not people, but objects. And increasingly in our culture, we are learning to see people as objects, as something other than subjects to be loved. We're seeing those objects to be used for our gratification. And it is a powerful form of meditation. Pornography is. John Paul II, the late Pope, he said the problem with pornography isn't that it shows too much, but that it shows too little. The problem with pornography is not that it shows too much, but that it shows too little. As we consider the different kinds of sins that we struggle with, whether it's anger or bitterness, unforgiveness, we consider the kinds of sexual sins or sexual brokenness we might struggle with, whether it's lusting or wanting to seduce, 
or withholding sex as a, as a, as a weapon from our spouse, a way to get back at them? Is our, is our posture one of, I'm, I am here to love you? Or is our posture, I am here so that you will love me? I'm going to get pleasure from you. And where you fail to give me the pleasure that I want, the happiness that I want, then I am out of here. Christopher West, uh, I'd commend this book to any of you. Um, he's, a, he's a Catholic. What's that? Is he really? Come on up. Christopher, he's in the house. I'll sign it for you. All right. Yes. A different Christopher West. Uh, there's, a, there's a picture here. Close, not quite though. Uh, Christopher West's book, The Love That Satisfies. Fantastic book about this. One of the things he says in this book is... Um, he says that, that eros, the Greek word for, the, for romantic love, was never meant to, to be something that we would experience um, or engage in apart from agape. Agape is meant to inform eros. It's meant to, to fuel it. And when, when God's love fuels eros, fuels romantic love, it's a beautiful thing. And it points us back to God. It opens our eyes to see people. I was um, in Poland... Uh, Great opportunity to go to Warsaw, and I, I'd heard that Warsaw is, is just a, you know, it's a conservative country or a conservative city. So I was excited to go there, and I, I didn't know what I encountered. But all along the streets, there was there were these flyers for uh, adult bookstores and prostitution um, with these pornographic images on them, and I was just kind of blown away, you know. And that was a weakness of mine, and so I, I felt this sense of, oh no, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to wrestle with this here. Um, so I, I began praying, Jesus, Jesus, help me, help me. So what, what I started to do with the, some of the Christian friends I was with, we'd start to pick these things up, and crumple them up, throw them away, pick them up, crumple them up, throw them away. Um, and at one point, uh, I, I remember <clears throat> we were close to our car, and, and there were some of these stuck on people's windshields. So I was just grabbing them and crumpling them up. And, uh, and But there was no trash can. So I get in the backseat of this car, and I'm holding these things in my hand. And there's this, this mixture that I'm feeling. So one part of what I'm feeling is, um, this sense of, of temptation. Like, I've, I've now got this with me. Jesus, I, I don't want to, I don't want to objectify this person, this image of this person. The other thing I'm feeling is, I, 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 you know, been in this ministry long enough to know that there's, there's demonic stuff that comes with pornography, that comes with sexual sin. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, protect me, protect me. Don't let me get slimed by this. Lord, protect me. Um, he, he broke all of that with, with just his still small voice. And this is what he said. I'm, so I'm holding this in my hand like this. He said, um, I know her. Oh. 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 It, it just it shifted everything. And so the, the gripping, it, became, it went from, you know, I'm protecting myself and, 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 and getting rid of this trash to a prayer. I'm grasping this, Lord, as a prayer. Let my hand serve as a prayer. Let my grip on this paper serve as a prayer. Lord, I don't know where she is. I don't know her. Rescue her. Rescue her. Bring her people of love, people whose sight is informed by your love. Jesus is is our answer. Jesus came bodily. He came in the flesh 
to rescue our flesh, to rescue our eyes, to rescue even those automatic responses that our bodies have learned towards sexual sin. He came in the flesh for a reason. What's the spirit of the Antichrist? The spirit of the Antichrist says he did not come in the flesh, but he did come in the flesh. He came in the flesh bearing our unrighteousness that our bodies might be redeemed and restored. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Our bodies were never meant for sexual immorality. Our eyes were never meant for lust. It kills us. Our eyes were never meant to see the person two ahead of us in the grocery store line as an obstacle. Our eyes were meant for something better, and Jesus came to restore that. Now, this is supernatural. It's otherworldly. It takes a power far beyond ourselves. But don't mistake that for impossible. It is not impossible. Sometimes we, we hear what Jesus did and we say, it's impossible. It's not impossible. That's why he came. Because it's who you are. He is the firstborn, not among one or two brethren in heaven. He is the firstborn among many brethren, Paul says later in Romans 8. The firstborn among many brethren. And his promise is, is to complete his image in us. This is great news. There's hard work with this. There's process. We're not going to get it perfectly. But it's possible. Because all things are possible with us. With him. Apart from him, we can do nothing. This isn't something we, we don't venture out to look at pornography and pray over images there without him. Maybe, maybe not even with him for some of us. We're not there yet. But at some point. So let me just spend... Um, what, you know, I looked at the clock to try to figure out what 30 minutes was. Where are we? How, many, how much time do I have? Another, another 50 minutes? When's your, when's your cruise? That's why, that's why I said as long as you want. He said, I'm out here in five minutes. I'm not rest- <laughs> All right. Let me spend a few minutes just talking about some practicals about, well, how, how can we begin walking in that? How can we begin inviting Christ's love to inform our hearts, the eyes of our hearts, the eyes of our head, to see people differently. And then I want to pray over all of us and just invite him to do some, some work, some supernatural work in our midst. Number one, um, we have to acknowledge that it's not impossible. We have to agree with him about that. We walk around with these agreements that I'm always going to have this anger or I'm always going to be impatient or I'm always going to lust or I'm always going to struggle with this kind of person. Um, that's an agreement. It's a foul agreement that the enemy wants you to make. Who are we to say that we'll always struggle like that? Now, while we do, let's remain humble and truthful and honest about it and confess it. But we can't say what Christ is going to do in our lives. We continue to invite him, Lord, change me, transform this part of my life. If somebody had told me in the the beginning of my struggle, in the midst of my struggle with lust, that there would be a day when you would stare a bikini-clad woman in the face and love her without objectifying her, I would have been excited about that, but there would have been part of me that would have said, not a chance. It can't happen. It can happen. It can happen. Number two, so one, acknowledge that it's not impossible. Number two, begin with you and not they. This isn't about them. So if you're here listening, you're going, man, I hope, I hope my husband's listening to this thing about lust. Or I hope my wife's listening to this thing about anger or about men. But don't begin with them. Begin with you. You want Jesus, right? So be broken. Have the, let the areas that are messed up in you be messed up in you. That's, that's why I get up here and I say to you, I was tempted and, I'm t- and, I'm, and I still feel it. I want you to like me. 
I want you to be impressed with things I'm saying. Ugh, I can't love you with that perspective. Let's be truthful about that kind of stuff, that Jesus can transform us and we can love. We can love. We begin with you. And here, here's, here's where it's a great place to begin. The area that you need him the most in this seeing other people as objects, obstacles, or idols, wherever you need him the most, wherever you need him the most, wherever you're the most powerless to live with love, to let your eyes be informed by love, that's where he wants to meet you. That's where he wants you to, get, to give you grace. And if he wants to give you... Well, let me say this. Would you agree with that? The area you need him the most is where he wants to meet you. He wants to transform you there. Would you agree with that? Okay. If that's true, then what's your job? Receive. I need grace there. I need your mercy there. And if it's the thousandth time or the millionth time, then you need it more. And he wants to give it more. And you need to receive it more. And this feels risky and it feels um, presumptuous and feels dangerous. Lord, you're going to grow tired of me asking for forgiveness. You're going to grow tired of me asking for your help in this area. He will not. He will not grow tired. You will grow tired long before he will. Receive his grace there. Receive his help there. Receive his love there. As you do, you'll begin to see yourself like God sees you. You know, one of the things that was, it's crazy, it was crazy for me. I remember one of my mentors, I was coming and confessing that I looked at pornography again. And his question back to me was, um, was focused on beginning to see myself or practicing seeing myself as someone who is made in the image of God. Not as the scum of the earth, but as somebody who's made in the image of God. And that didn't feel right. That That felt like too much grace, too much love in that moment. But it was important for me. Yeah, Josh, what was good about what you did? Nothing was good about it. It was sin. It was sin. Because I had that, just that perspective that sex is just, it's about what not to do. Josh, what was good about what you did? <sighs> Jesus, what was good about it? Well, one thing that was good is that deep inside, part of what I was looking for was I, I didn't want to be alone. I didn't want to be alone. Right, and that's good. That's good. Another thing that was good, I, I had sexual desire. Yes, and that is good. That's good. It feels scandalous, doesn't it? Well, if we start doing that, we're going, to, we're going to sin all the more. Not so. As we receive God's grace, we're less inclined to sin. As we find that he, that he loves us right in those spots where we need him the most, we're more apt to, to draw from his grace in those places where we need him the most. So begin with you, not they. Number three is practice. Just practice. I love. I, I have another mentor who used, to, he used to pray things like this. He'd walk around and he'd see somebody and he'd kind of write them off and look down on them and he'd say, Jesus, do you really love them? And he'd listen for what Jesus would say. When tempted, Jesus, show me what you see. Show me what you see. Show me what you see. Whether it's the grocery store line or in front of a magazine rack at a convenience store. Jesus, give me eyes to see like you see. Give me a heart to see like you see. This also means practicing the whole person. So we don't just see a part of them, we see the whole person. Um, in your marital relationship, for those of you who are married, one of, one of the gifts you have here is, is of, as you, um, this is yeah, rated PG-13-ish, um, in your sexual relationship, see the whole person, not body parts, not just a, a body that can give you pleasure, but a whole person, the spirit, soul, body, a day that they had, emotions, 
Begin practicing seeing the whole person. And then number four, and this is where it gets supernatural and mystical again, is um, this all happens in union with Jesus, in union with him. And so we, we bring our sin and our need and our weakness and we press it into his body on the cross. And I used to, I literally used to have a cross in my room and I'd, I'd go. It, it wasn't, the cross wasn't, wasn't magical, but it was just a, a physical representation of me. And Jesus, I press this stuff into your body. It is too much for me. And we receive from him his love. I receive from you. I receive from you. We do this in union with him. In union with him. Thanks for letting me share. I've, I've, I think I've spoken a little too long, but I do want to pray. Because um, I know this is a battle. Seeing people is, people is a battle. And we, we need his help with that. So if you are interested in, in getting some prayer, this isn't an indictment. This is just an invitation to say, yeah, it's not just them. It's me. It's not just people who deal with homosexuality. It's me who deals with gossip or envy. Um, or lust, and we're not going to ask. We're not, I'm not going to ask you to say what those things are. But if, if you want to receive the promise, I'm going to ask you as an act of your will to kind of say before the Lord, "It's me. I'm one of them. I need your kindness to lead me to repentance," as Paul says in Romans 2:4. Um, and I just invite you to stand, and I'm just going to pray over you and over me. <clears throat> Come, Lord Jesus. Jesus, let, let everything that I've said that, that is, um, is of you and it's in the right season, uh, or let it find good soil and bear much fruit in our lives, or those things that were out of season or were not from you or just me or puffing me up. I would pray that the, the wind of your spirit would come now and just blow those things away. And Jesus, we come to you together as people who um, we need your kindness to lead us to repentance. Or we need your faith to believe that we can change, that you can change the way that we see other people. Lord, there's, there's no love apart from the body. We, we have no love. There's, there's no expression of love that we can give that happens apart from what we do with our bodies, whether our eyes or our hands, our feet, our genitals. Lord, there's, there's, there's no love that happens apart from the body. So we, again, Lord, we offer our bodies as living sacrifices to you. And we ask, Jesus, that you would fill us afresh this morning with your loving, life-giving, pure spirit, your Holy Spirit, that we might love. Inform our sight, inform our action, inform our words, inform where our feet go, inform all that we are physically, Lord, with your love. And Lord, I pray especially for those who are wrestling this morning any type of sexual temptation. Lord, would you inform Eros with agape? Would you fill their Eros, their sexual, um, sexual love, romantic love, Lord, with your agape love? And we pray all of this according to the full and complete work that you accomplished, Jesus, in your life and your death and your resurrection. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much.